name is Tom Chick. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Man with the Iron Fists. I am here this week with Christian Malinsky. My name is Mr. Knife. You may call me Jack. (laughs) I can see that coming down Fifth Avenue, Mr. Malinsky. (laughs) And with a tagline, and I have no idea where this is going to go, Kelly Wand. You can't spell Kung Fu without U and H if you add an H. <laughs> I like that one, Kelly Wand. Was it all roboty or just dumb? Uh, it had a certain mechanical quality to it, but it was not dumb. I quite like that. Uh, let's see. So uh, before we start the podcast on the man with the iron fists, does anyone have any errors from last week? Or has anyone changed their mind about something they said last week that they want to clear up on the podcast now? I was wrong. The makeup is terrible, and the movie is horrible. What movie is that, Dingus? I don't remember. What did we do last Argo? week? <laughs> Argo, the makeup was bad. Uh, I, I thought, you know, maybe... Does anybody have any trailer talk, by the way? Did you guys see the teaser trailer for Carrie? Because I am completely, by the way, won over. This is going to be the pitch perfect of 2013, I'm convinced. Did you guys see it? No? It's adaptive 2013. No. It's a, it, so it's, it's a remake of Carrie with Chloe Moritz Grace. And, uh, wait, Ugh. Chloe Grace Moritz... Anyway, the, another remake. Uh, the chick from uh, uh, Kick-Ass, we can call her. Uh, she is Carrie, and her mother is Julianne Moore. And the Teeler Trazer... Teeler... <laughs> teaser Trazer. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, it was awesome. It shows... I'm not even going to tell you. You know what? Look at... Google it. Find that on YouTube or something. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm totally psyched for that, and because it's Kim, it's Kimberly Pierce, it's someone who doesn't normally do horror movies. So let here's my here's my advice to Hollywood: let people who don't make horror movies make horror movies. It's time for them to have a chance. It's Kimberly Pierce. Yep, from Boys Don't Cry. I didn't care for Stop Loss. I don't know that anyone even saw that, uh, but I you know what I, I I'm ready for Chloe Moritz Grace. I've, I've totally lost it. It's just Chloe Moritz uh, to work with someone like Julianne Moore. I think that's what's been missing a lot from uh, from what she's been doing lately. Put her in a room with Julianne Moore, give them scenes, and, and film that stuff. That's what I'm looking forward to. And yeah, and let let Kimberly Pierce direct it. Remember when you thought Helen Hunt was Supergirl? I'm still not convinced. You guys, I, I don't. I I think that might. Yeah, I I think that listen might, to him. Listen to everyone. <laughs> it wasn't He's, Helen Hunt. It was Garrett Dillahunt. <laughs> Bo Garrett, you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I am actually, I, I, I've been told by people in the know that Chloe Grace Moritz is really a cool person. Very, uh, <laughs> she's 14. No. How well, bad? And, and nevertheless, some of these, there are other stars that are just freaks, and I was worried about her, and uh, we've said this before, and I've been told that, that she's being well-managed, and she's being well-taken care of, and she's got a level head, so I really hope the best for her career, and I hope that works. Well, Dingus, then you should be a supporter of the Carrie remake, unlike uh, Kelly Wand, who just wants to make fun of it. I'm signing on right now, Tom. I'm, do you have a petition? I'll sign it. All right, a petition of two. Kelly Wand, are you going to join us? Are you looking forward to Carrie? 
No, I want to make fun of it. Okay. Uh, the the trailer, by the way, opens with uh, from from the novel by Stephen King. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh god, what what, what this time? Uh, <laughs> what this time? <laughs> Uh, I also wanted to say there's a, a remake. Oh, what now? Remake. <laughs> Are you going to remake it again? There's also a great trailer for Le Miserable, uh, which uh. has the, the cast. Shut up, uh, Kelly Wand. What's your name? Uh, it has the, the cast talking about how they worked with Tom Holland to uh, to sing live while they're filming the movie rather than dub the singing over. Uh, the... Hold on, Kelly Wand. <laughs> and and they're, they're interviewing the cast. And uh, Anne Hathaway says... And I want to quote, she says, talking about her character, Fontaine, Anne Hathaway says, quote, she's literally at the bottom of a hole, realizing she's never going to crawl out of this, end quote. Literally. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, I don't know how many people are familiar with Le Miserable, but I thought in the play she died of consumption. Apparently in the movie, she has fallen down a well. Because J.J. Abrams wrote the third act, and he has that thing with Pitt. You're thinking of Love O.M. Uh, um, all right. Yes, Dingus. The thing is, uh, did you guys get a uh, movie-specific trailer before you saw this movie? I believe all trailers are specific. Movie-specific. Movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Did you get a trailer yes. where somebody said, hey, uh, thanks for watching my man Riz's movie. Here's a trailer for my movie. No. I like that. At the end or the beginning? No, it was one of the trailers I saw was Quentin Tarantino going, hey, thanks for watching my man Riz's movie. Here's the trailer for my movie. I would have liked, Diggins, I would have liked that better if Quentin Tarantino hadn't produced Man with the Iron Fists. Yeah, oops. (laughs) If it had been just like a friendly gesture rather than one that he had a financial incentive to make. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, well, uh, so what what did we see this week, Dingus? Tell us a little bit. Don't spoil it, because there might be people listening who have not seen Man with the Iron Fists yet. But tell us a little bit about it without giving anything away. Just Taylor says it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were talking about it last week and telling telling me that we had to see this, I kept thinking, yeah, that can't be the title of it. It's got to be The Man with the Iron Fist. But indeed, this week we saw The Man with the Iron Fists. A, as Tom said last week, correctly, it's a 2012 action movie, parenthetical. It's that unusual that he would say something correct. Kelly Wan, sometimes even a blind pig will dig up an acorn. Denzel Washington is not the occasional. Even a blind pig is right two times a day. <laughs> okay, so a, a 2012 action movie, parenthetical, reminiscent of a martial arts film, unparenthetical, about a humble blacksmith dealing with some mean people. It was directed by Riza, Robert Fitzgerald Diggs would be his name, and written by him and Eli Roth. Ugh. It stars it stars Riza, uh, Rick Yoon, Russell Crowe, and Lucy Liu. The Man with the Iron Fists is rated R for bloody violence, mm. strong sexuality. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. Strong sexuality. Uh language and brief drug use and you'll notice there's no nudity in that list yeah yeah i think i noticed that and we're gonna talk or we will talk about that shortly but first man with the iron fists opened at eight million dollars <laughs> it was that means well it means it was number four behind in in order from one to three behind wreck it ralph flight mm-hmm. And Argo. Ugh. 
Yay, Argo. Good job. Yeah, Argo's kicking uh, ass. Now it's making too much money. Now I don't, now I don't like it as much. <laughs> it's, it should have made half this. Now, Argo, you know what? I love when a smart movie that doesn't pander too much. You know, we talked about the, the chase on the tarmac, and Argo has its share of conventions. But for the most part, it's really smart, and I couldn't be happier that it's making as much money as it's making. So go Argo. I'm with Dingus on this. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Man with the Iron Fist, it's a fairly soft opening, but I actually, Box Office Mojo, which is a site I use to sort of read up on how things are doing, they said that's a little disappointing uh, and below <laughs> below studio projections. But I feel, considering that the number of screens it opened on, considering that it's not, uh, you know, I guess Russell Crowe's Box Office draw, but considering that it's not, an established, uh, you know, it doesn't have a lot of star power. Uh, I don't think it's the sort of thing that would normally do big numbers. I, I think those are pretty good. That's a pretty good opening weekend. So good for you, man with the iron fists, as far as I'm concerned. Based um, on all that, all, yeah. those, all that math you just crunched. Exactly. Speaking, speaking of crunching math, you ready for this, Kelly Wand? Let's see. If we look at the critical reception on Metacritic, which gives the average rating from reviews that use ratings, Man with the Iron Fists is at 58. Huh. If we look at Rotten Tomatoes, which looks at all the reviews and, and, get, and, and measures the percentage of them that are positive, Man with the Iron Fists, 55%. Wow. Everyone agrees it's average. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Kelly Wand, uh, would you agree that we should hear a synopsis of what happens? <laughs> No. In the man with the iron fist. Well, I would disagree with that, and I demand oh. one. All right. Hey, I was going to ask you. Yes. Have you ever broken up with a chick over a movie besides Spanglish? I did not break up with that girl over Spanglish. Okay. Uh, we actually dated for quite a while, and uh, we, we came to an accord. Uh, my loathing of Spanglish and her fondness for it managed to coexist. So, uh, no, I don't think I've ever broken up with someone. Why, Kelly Wand, have you broken up with someone recently over your your disagreement on a movie? No. Okay. It was over an agreement. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> Man with Iron. Oh, Tom, would you like to predict what this is called by crumpling paper? Uh, no, I think that bit died a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you started that bit. I did not you mean, have to finish it. <laughs> did not mean for it to be weekly. Uh, so, so no, what would you call a synopsis of The Man with the Iron Fists? Uh, so that part of the bit survived. <laughs> Just your paper crumpling sound effect didn't survive. That's the part that's tedious. You know what, Kelly? I can edit that in later and give it a, a richer, crisper sound. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's already fucked up. No, the the paper. If you want paper crumbling before your synopsis, we can fix that in post. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. Oh yeah, post. All right, man with Aaron. This. Mm, let's hear what that's called again. Really? Man with the iron fist, sis. Good. Rock and roll, Kelly Wand. Mm. Some dicks call themselves the lions because. because oh God. <laughs> Taylor Tracer, Kelly Wand. Taylor Chase, man with the iron fist, sis. Some dicks who call themselves the lions because lions are slash have the biggest dicks in the jungle village kill a wise old Asian character actor who is probably the star of a kung fu movie from the 70s that the director RCA Cable jerked off to. That's the real difference between Asians and white people besides the sideways thing. 
In their movies, the old guys get killed off and young dudes avenge them. We make The Expendables 2. And Collision Course with Mr. Miyagi and tough Italian cop Jay Leno. Speaking of which, this movie's got three heroes of different ethnicities, so it'll play in the Hamptons. An Asian guy who spends most of the movie in bed wounded from pulling a bookcase of gold ingots on top of himself to avenge his dead father. Russell Crowe as a 300-pound version of the Joaquin <laughs> character he killed in Gladiator. <laughs> and the director of the movie, who's a blacksmith. Get it? He was Pam Greer's son, I guess by Thomas Jefferson, who's super lucid but old and in bed, so dying, obvi. He writes some shit with a feather quill on a piece of paper making RCA free. I guess because Pam Greer blew him, but apparently it's not valid if a white guy in a cabin later crumples it in his hand and throws it on the floor. I mean... Here we go. RCA accidentally killed the Freedom Crumpler with a table. So he gets on a shipwreck, but peaceful Asian monks adopt him and teach him how to punch someone to death like their Russell Crowe-shaped god Buddha did every morning. (laughs) I guess he picks up blacksmithing on his own, since there's not much point in learning seamanship. Now, (laughs) I mean, sidebar. Since I couldn't get any female types to see this fucking thing with me, when the racist redneck crumpled the paper and went, y'all can't read, boy, to RCA, I leaned over and whispered to the five-year-old kid sitting beside me, but that line was from Eli Roth to Eli Roth, huh, five-year-old? His mom glared at me. Guess she's super into Eli Roth's writing. After his hands get cut off, Akronin with iron fists tells Russell Crowe, Yo, Kiwi Lami motherfucker, help me and I'll make the best weapon that's ever been read. Although fists are two weapons, and by help me and I'll make, he means Russell Crowe will make them, since he can't, because he has no hands. So Russell Crowe, though not a blacksmith, makes iron fists for RCA, who, though not a fighter, is instantly super expert at killing dude with them. RCA's art nemesis is a bald soccer hooligan who can turn his body into CG gold just by making me yawn. Stop. I'm not continuing to laugh at that, Tom. It's a good joke. I'm upset right now. He's mad because you said gold instead of bronze. Oh, that guy's bronze? Doi. Well, there may be a couple mistakes coming up then. (laughs) I guess I'll have to try harder. Since we're not given any explanation as to how he got this way, I guess it was just a birth defect like Kanye West's teeth. The lion pack's led by a guy named Gold Lion, although it seems like that would be an after name for the guy who turns into gold. <laughs> Dude, there's like 47 more gold jokes, too. Just keep them coming. It's gold for the rest of the offices, all right? And then you guys can mock me. Although that dude's usually white, and I don't think even a member of the Lions, he just hangs out with them. All right, I maybe got a couple details wrong. The second banana is Silver Lion, and Bronze Lion's third, because the Olympics are Chinese. Lucy Liu plays a brothel madam and not a whore. Fuck, I'm old. 
There's also an Asian dude and his sister who are called the Gemini Killers because they have this move where she stands upside down wearing a diaper on his head (laughs) while their opponents surround them and go, hey, look, it's the Gemini twins. They're doing that delicate, cumbersome stance they always do where she kicks the stall in the face. Out of the way, me first. Sister. (laughs) Oh, they're lovers? That's even sicker. Anyway, mock tragically, the, this maneuver has no defense against blow darts, although the dart blower could have just used them before the fight started. Later, Eli and RCA showcase their originality again with a kung fu fight in a hall of mirrors, which only lasts a couple seconds before somebody throws a bird bath. Gotta be an easier way to clean birds than putting a bird bath in a mirror maze. Tom. Sidebar. Cool idea for a caper movie. <laughs> Droll handsome friends pull off a heist at a mirror store, but get away in a high speed chase. Because the cops chasing them are superstitious. <laughs> See, so they can't shoot. I guess they could still chase them. Anyway, there's also a subplot about a bunch of gold. So one of the bad guys can already turn into gold. Seems like they're setting their sights a little low. That's like recruiting a guy who can turn into the sun just to help steal a forest fire. Lucy Lou's streetwise, but non-street dumb. She has her chicks kill the lions by fucking them and jabbing them in the jugulars with, I guess, poison safety pins. But she forgets about the guy who turns into gold. <laughs> Or bronze. That joke works either way. Even though in a deleted scene, Robert Shaw expressed his doubts about her safety pin penetrating a gold trachea. Sidebar, when the gold soccer guy (laughs) killed the reality TV star played by a prostitute by throwing her into a wall, I leaned over to the five-year-old kid sitting beside me again and whispered, hey, know what that dude probably eats for breakfast? Golden grams. The mom glared at me again and dragged him from the theater, although I like to think it's because I reeked of weed and not because I ruined the poignancy of the scene. The kid looked puzzled. Maybe he thought I meant grams, no H, because Canada metric something. (laughs) Now back to the Iron Fists. Though I was hoping gold guy. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he's gold colored. That's what matters. Oh, go ahead. Forget I said anything. Gets pitted against, I was hoping he'd get pitted against Russell Crowe because a bald giant made out of gold squaring off against a fat guy with a pistol that shoots slinkies sounds like an intriguing <laughs> matchup. Predictably, he gets paired up against RCA, his dumbass fists. Both their tactics involve punching each other until RCA remembers the pressure point mannequin that his monks used to worship and eventually punches him somewhere effective. Note to self. Guys who can turn their anatomy to gold still have the same pressure points as straights. <laughs> Meanwhile, Russell Crowe fights the Asian guy whose traits that he has long white hair, which would have made him a better match against RCA because the monks told him hair's evil and to shave it all off, which he mistook as an injunction to clumsily scalp himself <laughs> with a trash can lid. In RL, Russell Crowe once threw a phone at a bellhop and justified it on Letterman by saying it was because he really had to call his girlfriend. 
It would have been cool if his superpower here was phone throwing, but I guess he's too fat now for that to be plausible, even in this movie. Anyway, Russell Crowe shoots his guy, the knife guy stabs his guy, and RCA punches Goldie Balls in slow motion until something sees. The next day, the town celebrates by stopping all the broken buildings while hitting guy tells RCA, I've lost a father, but I gained a brother. RCA is all, you know, for real. They both look at Russell Crowe, but don't say anything. The end. Kelly Wand, your uh, familial relationship and mineral composition confusion notwithstanding, that was very well done. Uh, at least it's over. So I guess Jim and I, Jim and I implies twins, so it kind of yeah. makes sense that you might think that they're brother and sister. Yeah. Or RCA thinks that. I'm pretty sure they were a husband-wife. Oh, wait, the bronze thing. <laughs> if, why can he turn into bronze? That makes sense. Well, his name was Bronze Body, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, we might just be assuming he's bronze because of his name. But he exactly. might be old. Right, exactly. Just like people who name are named, their last names are Smith, don't necessarily know how to make swords. Kelly Wand, your last name, you maybe can't use a little magical stick. You know what? That would be, we shouldn't assume that. But my dick's thin and black for most of it and white tips. TMI. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, Man with the Iron Fists. There we go. Uh, has either of you seen a movie called Warrior's Way with Kate Bosworth and a bunch of other people? <laughs> I did not expect the end of that sentence. Uh, I wish I had. I'll watch it immediately after following the podcast. Uh, Dingus, you haven't seen that, have you? I have not. I saw Warrior, but not that. No, is she brunette in it or blonde? She's, I think, a redhead, actually. She's wearing a cowboy hat a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. Warrior's Way is a, uh, it's this kind of movie. It's not as grindhousey, uh, and it's set in the Old West rather than in uh, ancient China. But the idea is that a samurai comes to the, an old western town uh, and a lot of crazy fight stuff. I just ask because I, I don't know how you guys are going to fall, but I didn't care for this movie at all, and it just reminded me of things like how warrior's way did the same kind of thing so much better uh it made me think how even chow movies do it way much better kung like kung fu hustle Shaolin exactly yeah. yeah yeah uh dingus are you so it sounds like kelly Wan and i were a bit disappointed uh where did you fall on this dingus because uh, well real quick so i want to point out dingus you have called rizza out a few times on this podcast uh remind us what that's for and what you liked about him um, I loved him. He's the only thing I liked about that movie Repo Men we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also, oh man. I he was remember. Due Date, wasn't it? Due Date as TSA? Oh, due yeah, date? he was a TSA agent in Due Date. And uh, when I was talking about this with some friend of mine, this friend of mine said, oh, he was on Californication, which I haven't seen, and he was really good in that too. I think he's good in those supporting roles. And in those two movies that we just mentioned, I thought he was honest and sincere and just had this really good, grounded kind of quality to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really liked him in those things. So, fast forward, and now you've seen a movie that he directs and stars in. How did you feel about his work here? It's horrible, and he's over his head, and this movie is terrible. <laughs> Dingus, no, come on. Pull your punches a little bit. You don't you don't lead with a body blow like that, Dingus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had my hands cut off. Uh, yeah, and so I, I would recommend Warrior's Way. Like I, I remember seeing Warrior's Way and being a little underwhelmed by it, but after seeing something like this, I just appreciate Warrior's Way so much more. 
and this is just going to sound really stale and repetitive because Lord knows I've said this about so many movies that I don't like. But one of the things I really liked about Warrior's Way was there was a relationship at the heart of it. Yeah. And this movie had no relationships. It, this is a movie where the characters didn't have relationships. They had freeze frames. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the moment where it introduces a character and there's a freeze frame and it's stylized and it gives you the name of the character. And, and it just kind of revels in this comic book presentation without really establishing any effective connections between the characters. And I really missed that, but I feel like Warrior's Way kind of was going in that direction. And Kate Bosworth was really charming in it. And the other people that she was with, I don't, I don't recognize any of them, but there, there were real relationships forged. And that was just completely missing here. Um, See, I went to the other extreme and thought, I wish this was wacky like Stephen Chow movies, and you were looking for integrity. Well, I wish it had made a commitment to something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was half-ass all the way. Because yeah, I don't know what movie I'm supposed to be watching, and part of the time I'm thinking, do I not just get this grindhouse kung fu joke that they're making, but then they're, then he's taking himself so seriously. I never felt like it made a commitment either way, so you're both right. Yeah. Because they, they play up this idea that he feels bad for making the weapons that get the king, you know, Golden Lion, whatever, that get him killed. And that was all news to me. And they didn't do anything to, to present that other than, like, mentioning it briefly. And it, it affected significantly, like, decisions he made, choices he made. You know, he's going to save Rick Yoon because he feels bad about that. And it, it's just a little throwaway motivation that they toss out there. Um and his relationship with uh, was it Jamie Chung, the the silk lady chick, that that went nowhere. Yeah, I thought she was playing him, and we were shown that exactly a, a shot of her with this weird smile on her face, and then she just gets killed in the Avengers. Her. Yeah. yeah. Or, well, there con- there's a lot of moments where they're just not doing any payoffs. Yeah, they forgot to write in payoffs. Eli Roth's not a good writer. Does everyone know this? Is this just like not? Do we just pretend or? I, I, you know what? I guess you're right, Kelly. I like that. I, I feel it, like Dinga said, Riza is in over his head, and Eli Roth isn't going to provide anything to, to dig him out. And yeah, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Yeah, although I will say there were some things that I enjoyed about this. Um, yeah, and, and it, like it never, it never let me enjoy anything very long. Well. And I blame partly the editing for that. I hated how this was cut. You know, they hire Corey Ewan, when I don't know how to say his name, but they hire a famous, uh, a well-known uh, martial artist choreographer, and they just edit to hell all of the fight scenes, and that, that drives me crazy. Um, so there's, I, not a, there's not a fight moment in this movie worth watching. I can't tell. He's got that awesome suit of knives. You can't tell anything that's going on. <laughs> I love Yeah, don't put your hand on that guy's shoulder, Dingus, because... <laughs> Uh, well, and they play with a lot of things like that, like toys or devices, like the Black Widow's little silk uh, bladed ribbons and whatnot. There's some cool ideas here, but they don't present them well. Uh, and, and that's a shame because I will say I was very nearly won over with that bit with the Black Widow's, except for two things. Maybe three things. Well, first of all, the direction of that sequence, uh, where, you know, where, where Lucy Liu comes in and she explains to the girls, okay, now's our chance. And you find out, hey, there are these cool, gothy Chinese girls who do badass fighting stuff. And they have their own cool little murder assassination weapons and those murder uh, razor ribbons. Like, I, I liked the setup for that, but it, it was directed poorly. Uh, I really feel if you're going to do an R-rated movie like this and play up the violence and have a character come up 
and come out and tell us about the connection between sex and violence and blood and all of that, I really feel that the conspicuous lack of nudity, and I normally, I, I hate to sound like a guy who's like, yeah, I want to see naked chicks, but I feel like if they're going to talk about sexuality, it could have been way sexier, uh, and that that was missing in that Black Widow. Yeah, it's stuff. a it's a bordello. That's where all the exactly. Exploded. And you know that that the setup for that was really awesome with this overhead tracking shot of all of the the the, the prostitutes, all of the Black Widows having sex, and it reminded me of Gaspar Noe has a, has a scene like that in uh, Enter the Void, oh, where we're, we're we're moving over a brothel and we're seeing people having sex down in there, and and it's this weird voyeuristic kind of scene. It's you know it's like this little pornography kind of thing from above. And and that's I think what they were going for, but for whatever reason they're like, okay, we're not going to be R-rated sexually speaking. We're going to be R-rated in terms of violence. So I feel like that missed the point. Uh, why so, though? Like why? What's so What's so weird about that is that their positions are all like reverse cowgirl facing the camera, looking up away from their lovers. Every single one of them, <laughs> and they're obviously clothed. All these prostitutes yeah. are clothed during sex while they're facing away at a camera. The first cowgirl is the new missionary. You're right. <laughs> well, and even like the the bath sequence where Lucy Liu comes in and rallies the troops. Again, yeah. they're all bathing with their underwear on or whatever, or <laughs> they take off their backs or to us. I mean, th- come on, let's have some sexual. Yeah. That's obviously what the scene is wanting to do, but for whatever reason, that's not going to be there. And then Russell Crowe goes, "Hey, what if I chop those your girls up?" And then Lucy, Lucy Liu grabs his scrotum. It's like he's what's he saying? That that's totally out of character. Uh, well, that's assuming. Yes, I, I agree, Kelly Wan. By the way, I think this movie needed one more. It could have been a trifecta. It needed one more comment from Lucy Liu about testicular abuse. <laughs> yeah. if, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that that's twice, bring out a third one as well. Yeah. Well, if they don't bother to pay it off, you know, the, all the traps that are supposed to turn you into a woman, and then nothing happens with that. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you say that? Why did you say that line? Right. I didn't. It's like. Did they forget? <laughs> They wrote it and then they shot. Kelly, oh, I have an answer to that. Eli Roth. Oh, what's that? So, so the third. Sorry, thing, Tom, you got two more. Don't you have two more points or? No, so, one? so one more. The, so the three things that kept me from really digging that uh, that Black Widow sequence, which I should have liked, was the direction, uh, the the lack of sexuality, and finally, uh, the editing in that. It was doing, and, and Lord knows who started this because it, it's so often done poorly, and it drives me crazy. You get the climax of, you get the the, the the dramatic finale of a movie, and it cuts back and forth between different fights, different sequences, and it does it too quickly to let me appreciate any single sequence. And you know, we talked about this in Cloud Atlas, how Cloud Atlas was a, a movie, it was a book with long chunks of, of different plot lines, and it would follow a plot line and it would go to another one. And when the Wachowskis shot it as a movie, they needed to shuffle it up and, and jump around between the different threads more quickly. And that's a cinematic way to do this kind of thing. It drives me crazy when, you know, why can't a movie trust us to sit with one plot thread long enough? You know, I just wanted to see that Black Widow stuff. Don't cut to the other little fights because I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to watch this. I'm, you know, I'm just going to twiddle my thumbs until we get back to the cool part. And, and, you know, unless it's something like Star Wars, where there's a reason that these three things are... Shut up. I heard that. I I will not allow laughter until I finish my point, jerks. The point of doing that in Star Wars was that all three of the little events interacted with each other. You know, know, somebody had to lower a shield so the ships could come in. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) 
I don't know the specifics, but I remember that that each of the, the plot, each of the little fights in Star Wars, the one where they do the Death Star and that's the Shut up. only fight. They don't cut from anything. It's like a half hour fight. Hold on, the other one, the, the, the one about oh, the, the other Star Wars, the Empire, the Jedi one, the other, the sequel one. You know what I'm talking? about. Uh, one where they lower the shields and then the something. Jeez. Tom just bonked his head on the on the door of his point. <laughs> But anyway, my point being, I hate when it's all shuffled up like that. When it doesn't he have to be. It as an example of what he liked too. He went. He goes, "Phantom Menace." The way they chopped that shit up was awesome compared to Man with Iron Fist. So. <laughs> Eli Roth, you better watch a little more George Lucas, my friend. That's my. Favorite. You guys are jerks. <laughs> no, no. We agree with you. So for those three reasons, I, I really, I really, really wanted to like that Black Widow stuff, but it it, it just lost me. Uh, the well, gun I, don't understand, I, don't, I don't understand the editing of these fights. I don't get it. I mean, if if you're going to give the convention that these women can float, <laughs> you know, like in um, Crouching Tiger, then you're going to be able to do all kinds of long shots of fighting. And the and the 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 cutting is so quick and stupid. And then it even goes beyond that into split screen inanity. Oh God! I don't, I don't understand. If you're going to have the convention that somebody can float. Then show us that, and you don't have to do quick cutting. Well, what's the problem here? You know, Dingus, you mentioned that, and it occurred to me while watching the movie, and specifically during the, the Gemini sequence, where the two of them do their little combo move, that uh, this kind of action has basically been uh, co-opted by video games. You know, when you play a video game, I've been playing a game recently called Assassin's Creed 3, which has a lot of cool fight scenes, and you see the animation of the characters. You can see it from any different angle. There's no cutting. You watch it all presented there in front of you. Some of those combo moves that the, the two Gemini, uh, the couple, were doing reminded me of a, a great fighting game called Bayonetta, which has this similarly over-the-top martial arts approach to it. Um and what's more, in a video game, you're, you're invested in the characters to a different degree than you are in a movie because you're controlling them. Uh, so, so in a in a in a movie, the only advantage you have over a video game, which is all virtual, is to admire the athleticism of the people doing it. And if you're going to to cut it so quickly and to just show so little of it and rely so much on just brief glimpses of wire work, all that athleticism is lost. You don't see any of that. Um, so I, yeah, I, it, this was just so frustrating to see that and think, you know what? It's it's so much better to just play the video game of this these days. Yeah. The only way that would have worked is if they'd made fun, like, oh look, we're cutting away from all the atlases and adults and stuff. And the diapers and all that guy's head. But instead, it was super earnest. They're like, oh man, when she, when she dies, never mind. There's no, there's, there's no, yeah, there's no humor here. I don't think anyway. It's Talk very much not, anymore. very much not as, as a kung fu hustle approach. Yeah, nobody's laughing at all. This is pretty serious. Uh, no one's listening to this because no one's going to have seen that movie and want to hear uh, anyone talk about it for ninety minutes. No, no, they won't have to see the movie and will enjoy listening to it because of that. Exactly. Especially getting to hear you do your synopsis. I mean, and then we uh, get sucked into where we are right now. Yeah. And let me, can I can I ask, you know, when Tom mentioned Assassin's Creed, for some reason that just made me think of the hooded dude, and that felt like <laughs> the way it made Tom think of Star Wars. Enemies. Yeah, exactly. And circumcision. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. uh, it just made me think that this was supposed to be this character reveal. Right. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the with the white hair. 
And it's like, oh, who's that guy going to turn out to be? There's this. Well, the one good thing I liked about Kingdom of Heaven is that there's this weird Edward Norton almost. It's not a cameo, but he's completely obscured as as a as a character, and you can't really tell who he is. And when you're doing this this thing with this hooded character, it feels like at some point we're going to have this major reveal, and it's going to be like, oh, it's right. that guy. Exactly. But instead, they just in some random scene, he just pulls back his hood, and what's the reveal that he has white hair? I really uh, thought it was going to be some sort of a cameo or something. I mean, you're right. right. It's either they're either setting up to be a, a cameo or somebody you've seen earlier on in the movie. So when the hood comes back and you have no concept why you should care who this guy is who's just been revealed, it's a failure of the storytelling, I think. Yeah, or at least the casting. Uh-huh. There's no one it could have been, though, that would have been. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, he's been Christopher Walken or something. I thought that <laughs> like they were leading us to something that would either be point. an Easter egg for us as an audience or right. would have been surprising as, oh, it's Lucy Liu or, oh, it's... Uh, it's Chi-Chi from whatever. I, I don't know. It just felt like it should have been something, and instead it's just we're just stringing you along, and there's not going to be any payoff for it, and he's he has white hair. Ta-da. I thought it would have been Don Knotts. I like that, but instead we got Edgar Winters Yeah, by the time it was over. Who's that? Kelly Wan, when you're my age, you'll remember. <laughs> uh, I did love I, – I really like it when uh, – uh, leading men get older and they put on a little weight and they get a little evuncular. Uh, I really like how. Santa Claus. I, I, well, I really like how Russell Crowe is is moving into this like Alec Baldwin phase of his career. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was I was just tickled watching him sort of waddle around. I don't know. That's got to be padding, right? He's not really that big these what? days. No, no, he's he's got to be that huge. He looks like he ate Russell Crowe. <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't know. He's is he no. Kelly's right. right. In Robin Hood, he was he was huge too, but they kind of masked it a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I, I there was a scene where she takes off his armor and is supposed to get wet. <laughs> you, you, they don't even put a body double in. Ridley Scott was already thinking about Monopoly and Prometheus. Well, I will say without irony that I think Russell Crowe wears that extra weight well. I mean, he's a big, imposing-looking <laughs> guy, and you know what? I I hope he uh, they let him be as big as he is in Les Misérables. That's all I have to say about that. So there. Having, you know, that's interesting that you say that, because having actually watched that trailer, I don't recall him looking like that. Yeah, no, he does not. They've apparently, yeah, that's why I say, is he really that big, or was it padding, or I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, they lost, or it's just, they don't, they just all close-ups. Could be. Does anybody in this movie have chemistry with any other person in this movie? Let's see, let me think about that. Lucy Liu has chemistry with me. She's terrible on this. What are you talking about? Dinkus, how dare you? Look, you can do all of your Charlie's Angels things that you want, and I will let you do that. That's fine. But she's horrible. Dinkus, she saves a child. She does? (laughs) I am. For a minute. Why is that kid even there? Why didn't she get him out of there first, and then they both live? See, what else? Bad prostitution management. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hang out in a bordello, by the way, eating fruit. I'm just saying. Uh, let's see, what else can I say about it? has been battles over the last 24 hours, and he's still sitting there. Saves a Child reminds me of that terrible trailer for a gangster squad. I haven't been watching that. I don't, shouldn't I, maybe you shouldn't watch that, Dingus. That movie might be worth seeing. Well, it's, what's, what's awesome is watching it, and it's just so self-important, and then it says, opening January 2013. It's 1930s, and it's like rock music. <laughs> any good of course we'd get to see it before oscar time but dingus i just want to remind you that the gray came out in january 2012 so oh touche 
Yeah. Touche. Very well. Ugh. All right. So, uh, so again, any is there any chemistry between any characters in this movie? Dingus, did I not? Lucy Liu stabs a dude in the neck. Come on. What more do you want? Blood counts as chemistry. Oh, here's chemistry. One thing, I, I digital blood, fine. If you're going to do your digital blood, that's fine. But what? What? One of the things I realized I hate about digital blood. It never gets on anyone. Oh, right. For Pete's sake. It's like Last Airbender. You got on the camera at one point. Remember? It was a CG camera, though. Yeah. CG lens. I'll take that. RCA. That that moment during the X, the first X-Blade fight where they, they string him up, and he ends up kicking the guy in the neck, and it spurts out both sides of his head. Uh, somebody down my roll of movie gore said, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome. It wasn't uh, awesome. I got a weird one where when uh, when Riza goes to see Jamie Chung and and she gives him something to drink and he tilts this drink back, the guy behind me and this was weird I didn't understand the guy behind me went yeah suck it down. <laughs> really? I know that's the weirdest thing to cheer. What's that guy excited about swallowing? <laughs> I have no Are you idea. sure he wasn't wasn't talking to his date? I have no idea what was going on. Suck it down. Yeah, he was very excited to see Riza chugging some sort of a drink. I, I think. I don't know. Dingus might be right. Maybe there were some shenanigans going on back there. Here's and, what – oh, yes, go ahead, Dingus. So she, she was supposed to be having some sort of weird chemistry with with Rick Yoon, right? Huh? You know, <laughs> while she's helping him recover, and it seems like, oh, maybe they'll do something instead of the thing that he was doing with Juju during their tattoo scene early in the movie. Ah, right, right. But that, nothing, that never goes anywhere. Whatever happened to her? What is going on? Anyway, sorry, go ahead. How about, how about uh, Russell Crowe's chemistry with the three prostitutes? When he, like, <laughs> how about that, Dingus? Does that qualify? That was so hot when he pulled the drain out with his teeth. Women love that. Kelly Wand, I don't, I don't, that's not a drain. Yeah, that's not a drain, Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, I want you to Google later <laughs> the, words, the words Benoit. Just Google that. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly one, I have a question for you too, by the way. Yeah. What are the rules? Like I don't know how to play this game, but what are the rules of <laughs> how do you play <laughs> let's pretend we're Catholic? How does that work, Kelly Wand? Okay, well you reverse teal tase me. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees and I'm caught in between counting Oh yeah. I'm the heretic. That was the thing. The game. <laughs> what was the line about that? It didn't make any sense. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, uh, double entendres were too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Dingus, what is our 3 by 3 this week? What do you got for us? All right, these are your three favorite letter-writing moments in movies. I'm not talking about that fucking movie anymore. Fuck. Exhaust. You know what? I might have a big oops here. What's wrong? Kelly Wand, how do you feel about what Dingus just said? Does that qualify? Does what you've chosen uh, fit with that? What did he say? I wasn't listening to him. Letter writing. What, what are you talking about? Oops. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll find out when we get to me. No, no, no. I thought you'd erase the podcast. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. No, no. Uh, oops in terms of I think I picked okay, the wrong some, thing. No, I don't give a fuck about that. Okay. You picked, okay. like, your favorite letters of the alphabet? <laughs> no. 
I'm partial to B. What did you think he meant? Well, you know, we're going to find out when we get to my 3x3, three three, aren't we, Kelly? I Wand? think I fucked one up, too. And it's All right, actually... Well, All right. Well, first, we're going with you, because, Kelly Wand, you'll be introducing next week's 3x3. Three three, so why don't you start us off? What is your... Uh, how do you feel about this topic, and what's your number three pick? Mine suck, but it's a cool topic. Okay. I'm just not good at this game, or any game. But uh, the listeners will carry our water for us, right? We'll find out when Dingus reads the listener submissions. I guess I wasn't. I shouldn't have expected you to respond because I was not a listener. Um, my number three is in Dangerous Liaisons when Glenn Close got John Malkovich into a duel by writing that letter. Was it? Did Keanu Reeves kill Malkovich in that fucking movie? That doesn't sound right. No, no, but, you're uh, right. Yeah. It's like she can start a duel by writing a letter, and so it's like you hear it in voiceover while the duel's going on. Well, really cool. you're right, but that's a play and not a movie, so. No. <laughs> actually, that's good for Kelly Wand. He actually did a like an actual serious pick. That is a really good pick. I like. And that. it's it's actually a good use of. See, I understood. The, then the the other two are terrible. So. And part of what what inspired this, besides uh, the fact that I love writing letters and I have uh, people that I have just letter writing relationships with, is uh, was in Cloud Atlas. Uh, there's uh, a very strong letter writing component to one of the storylines and just the paper and the, the sound of the pens and the paper and you Kelly talking about dangerous liaisons really calls that to mind. So that's a, yeah. I think it's a really good pick. I feel bad cause I don't remember what it actually said, which I think should be part of why it's on a three by three. It wasn't really a letter. It was a picture of a gigantic cock. <laughs> Dingus, that's fight club. You're thinking of, Oh, my mistake. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, now here's where I screwed up. Is I, I, I guess you did mention this, Dingus, because for one of them, I, I specifically have this act of writing the letter. But the other two, they're just about letters in general. Uh, so my number three pick, Dingus, you'll have to let me know if this qualifies or if I need to go back to the drawing board. My number three pick is the very... Yeah, very good. Uh, is the very ending of the assassination of Jesse James, where we see what has become of Robert Ford, that's Casey, Casey Affleck's character, and he basically gets up every morning and he gets his mail and he goes to the saloon to read hate mail because everybody hates him for having shot Jesse James, uh, and he just sort of sits there and mopes and drinks and reads his uh, his hate mail. Um, thing is, does that count? Because they're letters. No, absolutely. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I was going to go with, uh, and I had said this, I think that I like the idea of, of writing moments, um, but I think use of letters is really powerful, and one of my runners-up is that, and I, I, think, I would guess that this might be one of your picks, um, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, and what I love about that, too, is just this is what's become of him. I love everything about that movie. But it also, in a way, I, I can sort of personally connect with that because I tend to get up in the morning and check my email uh, or comment section on the forum that I run. And I tend to find several people who respond to me as if I'd shot Jesse James based on something I've written about a video game they like. Uh, <laughs> so I can identify. That's with. the life you've chosen for yourself. How do you it is. That? Yes, it's true. Is that why you keep salt in a skillet on your stove like as a defense uh that's to their face that's to clean the skillet out kelly wand oh because you don't want to cast iron skillet you don't want to put that in water it'll uh it's not good for it i just buy a new one and throw it away use it that's good uh so let's see that's my number three kelly or no dingus what is your number three pick for uh best use of letter writing in a movie all right here's a little bit of dialogue from this movie Mm mm-hmm 
have you ever received letters like these? No, I'm nobody's little weasel. Uh, uh, the Hobbit came out really. <laughs> it is not The Hobbit. Nice try, though. Hey, man, there got to be some letters in those Hobbit movies. Uh, no, this is the movie Amelie. Have you guys seen that? Oh, God. I knew Dingus would do something like this. <laughs> this is actually fairly egregious because it involves forgery and lying, uh, which are probably not different things. But um, the letter the letter writing in this movie uh I just love that. I think it's just beautiful. And, um, and what happens is that uh, that Amelie gets sucked into the life of the concierge woman, Madeline. I think that's her name. And this woman insists upon reading the letters that her husband sent to her when he was uh, in the war. And um, he ends up betraying her. And Amelie, in her quest to do great things for people, takes the letters, clips them up, and makes a different love letter for her um, that explains everything. And I just really like the way all of that goes. But I, I just kind of like the texture of this movie, and there's there's this series of books. I'm, I'm nuts about writing letters. I know that makes me a, a, a silly person. Um, but... But uh, but there's this, a series of books that I read when I was in college called Griffin and Sabine, and this is uh, basically about two people who the, the entire book is just uh, it just takes place as an epistolary relationship basically, and this Amelie the texture of Amelie the way that movie works uh, and the way Amelie creates the letter for this concierge is just reminds me of those books so there you go Amelie. Uh, I, I wondered how long we would get into three by three before someone used the word epistolary. Oh, okay, uh, who had the over under on that? <laughs> I win. Reach you around. <laughs> I uh, asked asked to check if she wanted to see Amelie with me, and she goes, "I heard she helps people." And I went, "Oh yeah, fuck that." And then we, <laughs> but you know, what? I'm Griffin and Sabine apologist, Dingus, and I think I remember at the end of the third one, you find out like they're both fake people right or something and then i didn't read the fourth one so tell me how it ends so it's like catfish <sighs> leave, leave tom out of this i don't know how you do that but anyway <laughs> i i don't know because i love the i just love the whole thing and yeah well i just love the way the whole thing goes and i don't remember what you're talking about <sighs> you just like the presentation you don't remember the storyline fuck that's yeah, not at all okay I'm not here to help you. Kelly One, what is your number? Hey, Kelly, you're a Griffin and Sabine apologist? Yeah, I like those books. Oh, you just made me so happy. Yeah. I was totally, I, was like, I actually cared what happened next. Like, oh, what's going to have my thing? So have you, guys seen, have you guys seen Catfish? What's the, what, what's the, what's, what, huh, what? Facebook? <laughs> There's no connection between Griffin and Sabine and Facebook, Tom. You said you something about people were fake or they're not what they were presenting themselves as it's like it's like catfish no 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 they're uh, they don't exist which would have been better if catfish didn't exist tell <laughs> <laughs> you what is your number two favorite letter movie letter at the end you find out neither of the letter writers exist so it's like what have you just read Dingus? so it's like like i'm saying so it's like catfish uh, right, number two if that's the fact, <laughs> then it's more like my my stance on paranormal activity which is there's only one movie What's the one Griffin and Sabine movie? The first book. First book. No, 
come on. That's that's retarded. Uh, well, I agree with you, but I'm not going to you know, back change. down on that controversial stance. Right. One book, Griffin and Sabine, first one. That's it. Only canon. So my number two is in secret admirer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it. Uh, secret admirer, 1985. Uh, C. Thomas Howell is in it as a. <laughs> a high school student who's trying to bang uh, Kelly Preston, the, like popular girl. So he writes, but he's like the worst writer ever. So he gives him to his friend Lori Laughlin, who doesn't want to have sex with for some reason. Like Cyrano, right? Exactly. She Lori Laughlin's the Cyrano, except instead of a big nose, she's super fucking hot and hotter than Kelly Preston almost. Eh, you know, what are you gonna do? Anyway, so she like steam opens the letter that he wrote. And so there's this little sequence where when he puts it in the mailbox, he's super proud of it, and he just goes, Jesus. And then she's reading it in, like, horror and goes, Jesus. And then Kelly Preston's reading it, like, because Laurie Laughlin rewrote it, and then she goes, Jesus. So that's my number two. All right. Uh, my number two. So, Dingus, this is the only one that really applies to the the actual writing being part of the scene. But it's not a letter. So I've kind of screwed this one up as well. Uh, and it's the whole segment in The Fountain, which is based on Rachel Weiss's character writing a story about a conquistador and how that's what she's writing while she's got cancer. And I think, and, and this really annoys me that I couldn't go back and look because I don't have a Blu-ray player anymore, but I think there's a scene where Hugh Jackman gives her pens, doesn't he? Doesn't he give her a fountain pen? Or maybe it's a blank book. He gives her something to where she starts writing the story about the conquistador. Am I right? I think it's the book, but I don't okay. know for sure. Okay. But, but that's the whole, not a, Okay. Well, the whole point of it is about her writing this story, and she's writing it for him, and he has to finish it because of, of what happens to her. And it's one of the three threads that runs through the fountain. It's about her writing this story about a conquistador. Um, Wait, that's not a letter. I know. I kind of pointed that out. I like my <laughs> I know, I kind of pointed that out so you can't say it. Well, your first thing was like, oh, well, the letter writing is not really part of it. But you, this one's not even a letter at all. Like, it's a book. <laughs> but it's it's the writing. Catfish is a Facebook. But see, she's yeah. writing the book to Tommy, to her husband. Yeah, but we're writing a podcast to forums. <laughs> yeah, but it's not written, see. Oh, well, if found we... not water. Good point, Kelly Wan. I win. <laughs> all right, so that's my number two pick. Uh... It, which, was my secret admirer one just boring or dumb or did it fit? I, I didn't know the first thing about the movie, so I'm afraid I didn't have it's much to get through it, quick, opinion quick. to offer. I don't know if there's more to say about it. Let's say it, but I have not seen it. I don't. I'm not up on my C. Thomas Howell, uh, except, except for the recent Spider-Man movie, by the way. Who saves the day, Kelly Wand? I'm very upset. I even forgot that for two seconds. Very very upset. But he gets to bang Lori Laughlin and Kelly Preston who's topless in that movie, by being the worst writer ever. So that was really inspirational to see for me, like, in high school. Okay, that's my number two. I don't remember what you're talking about, but I like the idea of it, Kelly. And it involves a letter, so that's good. No, I'm serious. I just can't talk intelligently about it, because I don't know. But steaming a letter open and then having somebody rewrite it, that's sort of along the lines of what Amelie is doing in my pick. So, Dingus, how do you feel about my pick of The Fountain? 
Uh, it's going to be great for our top three story writing things. And misused top three by three misused topics, like broken topic entries. Well, Kelly Wand, I will grant you that the characters in the fountain don't realize they're in a movie. <laughs> tom, Tom, Tom. Dingus, what is your number two pick for a favorite scene in which a letter is written? You're the Romney in this one. <laughs> Please proceed, Governor. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right. My, uh, here's a quote. My life's work has been to prompt others and be forgotten. Yeah, but what's the quote from the movie? Um, <laughs> the quote from the movie is, oh, my nose, it is so big. Really? Cyrano? Yeah, it's Cyrano. And thanks for bringing it up already. Um, <laughs> this is the 1990, 1990, I think. Yeah, 1990 version. So my first two picks, my three and two, are uh, French directors. Ah. Um, this is the first time I remember being exposed, and and as you uh, dinged Kelly on, this is uh, actually a play, so... Apologies. Uh-huh. Um, this is the first time I remember being exposed to the Cyrano story outside of a Steve Martin movie. And uh, this movie just knocked my socks off. It's just so beautiful. Um, and it was really hard for me to watch because I constantly had to be reading it because uh, it's subtitles. And, oh, but this it's, is not the Steve Martin one. No, no, no. This is actually Cyrano. This is the one with... Uh, Oh, good Lord, I can't remember Steve his name. Steve Martin one's called Gerard, Roxanne. Which Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu uh, Dingus must be Thank you, actor. Tom. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, Gerard Depardieu. And um, no, Kelly Wan, by the way, you're wrong. Roxanne is the name of a police song. That's right. And Star Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember loving this movie. Um, and I just love that element of, of letter writing in it, mainly because... Uh, this is going to sound really stupid, uh, but I'm used to that. Um, because my, my name is constantly appearing in, in the movie, and I always have weird uh, association with my name. It's always weird for me to introduce myself as Christian, which is which is why I kind of like the fact that Tom has come up with nicknames for me that are actually more comfortable for me to use, because I just never think of myself as, when I introduce myself, I'm like, hi, my name's Christian, and there's this little voice in my head saying, no, that's not your name. Um, but when I watch when a movie... Watch Do you feel that, too? Like Mel Gibson's characters, Fletcher Christian? Uh, well, uh, oddly enough, there were there was a cadre of people who called me Fletch in high school because of that. I know. And not because of the Fletch movie? Nope, because of Fletcher Christian. Because uh, I met them, they were like, Mr. Christian! Uh, so they, they instead of calling me Mr. Christian, they call me Fletch. Anyway, watching Cyrano uh, and hearing my name, I was like, oh, okay, I do like my name. And I just like that aspect of the beauty of uh, wooing somebody with letters. Uh, so, Cyrano. Uh, by the way, Roxanne is my third favorite Rick Rossovich movie after uh, Terminator and that Charlie Sheen Navy Seals movie. <laughs> What's that one called? Always, too, who steals Richard Drive. Yeah. Oh, can, I change, Rossovich? can I change my answer? No, no, no. That's Brad Johnson or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what is your number one favorite scene in which a letter or a story to Hugh Jackman is being written? <laughs> mm, this is one I think I fucked up, so we'll just pretend it's right. Isn't that our policy? Yep. Okay, so far, oops. so far it's working for me, Kelly Wand. Yeah. See, we can we can we'll work together on this. I'll, fist, I'll, fist bump. 
I'll give your number one, like, pass. Yes, good. Please do. Uh, I lost cool. most of that, but I agree with it. The Quills, uh, movie Quills, and that hot chick is like uh, this girl that he raises with some nuns. Once again, Kelly Wan, that's a play. <laughs> it's by the same director, too. He directs only plays. Stephen Frears? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Isn't the lion... Okay, never mind. He didn't make Quills. Oh, Philip Kaufman. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Stephen Frears did... Uh, yeah, Stephen Frears is Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, Philip Kaufman is Quills, Unbearable Lightness of Being, that thing about the astronauts. Uh-huh. All right, carry on. That thing about the astronauts. Isn't that him? The, yeah, oh, yeah, right yeah. stuff. Right stuff, right, right. And Body Snatchers. Uh, oh, really? That's right. Oh, the, the good one. Yes, the good one. Right, right. All right, so anyway, Kelly Wan, what's the letter writing scene that, that you like in Quills? Oh, so Michael Caine's, like, raised this hot girl with these nuns till she's, like, ready, and then he just abducts her from the nunnery and brings her home and rapes her every night, but then she gets him back by, like, fucking the guy painting their walls or carpeting or something, and then she leaves this farewell hate letter from Michael Caine that lists all the places that they had sex. And it ends with something like, we fucked on the bearskin rug in your study, and as a crowning gesture, we left puddles of love on the Peruvian marble. Huh? <laughs> Very uncomfortable with that, Kelly Wand. That's my number one. It's a really good letter. <laughs> Love to get that. Is that a good movie? Uh, uh yeah. Sure. <laughs> Kelly Wand, is Jeffrey Rush better in Quills or in Pirates of the Caribbean? He shows more Bush in Caribbean. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> All right, my number one pick uh, is, uh, again, you don't see the letters written, but they, they figure hugely into the movie. And I'd even forgotten about uh, the actual letters and was instead thinking about a letter that is read out loud at the end of the movie. Um, Dingus, do you know what I'm talking about? Like you said, we might, you, you might know what I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm not sure where you're going, but go ahead. Okay. Proceed, so, Governor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is a movie called Birth. Uh, yeah, where, yeah, exactly. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Where uh, the, the, the premise of birth, and good Lord, I love this movie. Uh, the premise of birth is that a little boy feels that he's been, uh, he's the reincarnation of Nicole Kidman's husband. Uh, and his, his opinion about this is sparked by some letters that he finds. Uh, the letters figure prominently into the movie. They uh, come into play uh, at various times in the movie. Uh they basically the, the events of the movie wouldn't have happened without these letters, uh, and the writing predates anything we see in the movie, uh, but they're hugely important. But what actually made me think of Letters and Birth, the movie, is that at the very end, uh, Cameron Bright, who plays the boy, there's a voiceover as he is reading out loud a letter that he has written to Nicole Kidman after the events of the movie. Uh, and that scene just gets me, it just wrecks me every time, and, and Nicole Kidman's reaction to it. Um, I just I just love that movie and it's full of stuff about letters. So there you go. It's my number one pick. Kelly Wan, does that does that qualify? Are you okay with that pick? A child's like a letter when it's born too. It just takes nine months. Kelly Wan, you should see Birth. Mm. It's depressing. <laughs> uh, in a good way. Right. Yeah, I don't find it depressing at all. I love that movie so much. And it was really hard for me not to pick it. I think that's a great pick. And that redeems the fact that you chose novel writing for your second one. 
but like I said, it's a lit, it's like if you put at the beginning of a novel, you know, for Tom, if you had written that thing, the dedication, I, I would think of the novel as a letter. To me, it would be a letter. To other people, it would be a novel. So ours are post offices, and they, okay. that's why we pay in stamps when we pick up books. That's fair that's enough, Tom. Fair enough. But uh, birth, birth is perfect because yeah. letters drive that. Well, yeah. And and also, by the way, I wouldn't say it's depressing, but I would say it is wrenching. I mean, it's a, it's just a hugely involving emotional experience for me. Uh, I, I can't get enough of that movie. Well, I hate depressing movies, but I love being wrenched. Well, you it. should. It's, 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 entire, it's a gratifying experience to be. Oh, no, I hate that though. Fuck that shit. I'm not gonna see it now. Kelly, want just stick to Secret Admirer. You'll be fine. And Hump Day, I'm told. <laughs> yeah, uh, Birth is not. Uh, C. Thomas Howell is not in Birth, so it may not meet your standards. Birthday is Hump Day if you count life as <laughs> postnatal. <laughs> Oh, shut up, Juan. Jesus. But I think because Danny Houston is in it, that's part of the C. Thomas Howell rule. If he's not in it, then Danny Houston has to be in it. There's it's, a, uh, it's one of the few movies where I did not mind Danny Houston. Uh, there's more than one C. Thomas Howell rule. There's one what, per movie. Kelly Juan, do you prefer The War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise or with C. Thomas Howell? Um, wait, C. Thomas Howell's the Jack Reacher... In the new one, I don't know what I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't understand. Is he in the Red words. Dawn remake? Uh, sure. No, that's Thor. Thor's in the new Red Dawn. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris Pine. No, uh, Ted Gummit. You guys always screw me Chris, up. Uh, Liam Hems- Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. What's his Chris name? I'm Thor forgetting. Hemsworth. Shut up. Niggas, get me out of here. What is your number one pick for a letter-writing scene in a it's movie? It's like you'd be really easily hypnotized because you're very suggestible. Oh, I could I, own you. Dude. Like if that guy Darren Braun like, could trick you. If, did you ever play three-card money like on a New York? Kelly, Wan, I, I want you to do a Philip Seymour Hoffman thing with me right now. Go ahead. Interview me. <laughs> are, you, are you a stupid man? <laughs> no. Leave me out. You blink it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Are you a stupid man? No. Is this podcast boring? <laughs> this is listening. All right, Diggis, what is your number one pick for a letter or in a movie? Your stories, right. by the way. Here's a quote from it. Responses. These are my books. I like stories with magic powers in them, either in kingdoms on Earth or on foreign planets. Usually I prefer oh. a girl hero, but not always. I love this pick, Dingus. Oh, Dingus. Oh, that's good. Damn that it. Awesome. Oh, Dingus wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay, yeah. Tell us about this, Dingus. This is cheating because this, uh, in addition to the person who uh, sort of inspired the topic, this when I saw this, when we watched this movie uh, sort of together, Tom, um, this element of Moonrise Kingdom, where the two of them are falling in love and the way the letters are edited together, uh, I, you know, the thing that I that I think about this is I can't say it better than the movie shows it, and that's kind of the biggest compliment I can give it. It's just this wonderful masterpiece of of two people writing letters to each other. Those and those things edited together as they fall for each other. Oh, that's such an awesome pick, Dingus. I feel I feel really inadequate now. Kelly, one, how do you feel? My list. We got to do the whole podcast over. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, then, uh, that's a terrible idea. All right, yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. That's uh, Wes Anderson doing letters. Great. It's weird because I was trying to think of like a kid's letter because I could think of it in my head, but I, then I forgot where I'd seen it. You ever do that? It's like you know something, but you don't yeah. know, you know it. Yeah. And then it's lost. 
Because your your brain, you've crammed it full of stuff from Secret Admirer, Kelly Wan. <laughs> and it's zapped. You smoking too much weed. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what do we have from readers? All right, we have three selections from readers this week about letters. Um, we're going to start with Paul Weimer. And he has three movies about... By the way, Paul letters. Weimer, I just want to say, for our three-by-threes, he's like the fourth Beatle. <laughs> Very nice. All right, he says, here's my list of three movies that have letter writing as an integral part of the movie. This sort of thing seems to lend itself to period pieces or movies that are now period pieces. Letter writing is a dying art, more's the pity. Uh, let me just say editorially, I agree with you, Paul. Um, I used to love to receive letters from friends, a particularly prized one I got from a friend who was honeymooning at Machu Picchu at the time. Thank you for telling us that, Paul. Anyway, his list. Number three, Possession uh, from 2002 with Gwyneth Paltrow and Aaron Eckert is the two contemporary scholars reading and learning the story of two 19th century poets, Jeremy Northam and Jennifer Ailey, through their letters. That sounds so, awful, by the way. I, I want to see that when movie. When did that come but, out? But just hear, no, I've heard of it. Hearing 2002. Paul... Yeah, Paul's synopsis makes it sound like the last thing I would ever want to see. <laughs> you don't want to see a movie about two contemporary scholars played by Gwyneth Paltrow and Aaron Eckert. How dare you? It makes me think of The Hours. Like it's it going to sounds be like, like that. No, don't ever mention The Hours. You just made me, oh, I got tired. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hours is right in the title, so it reminds you. I'm going to jump out the window right now. <laughs> Dig it. No, finish Paul Weimer's uh, email first. It should be right. called Endless. Number two, <laughs> Back to the Future. This uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Back to the Future 2 from 1989. At the end of the movie, Marty McFly gets a held in a vault for 70 years letter from oh, Doc yeah. Brown, who I'm moments ago, from Marty's perspective, was accidentally transported in 19, uh, 1885. And this letter leads Marty to head not back home to 1985, but back to 1885 to rescue his friend in the third movie. And remember, you see that, and you think, oh, that's just a cute little thing. And then, lo and behold, they make a whole movie out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a thing about that, because I never saw the third movie. Uh, oh, why do you hate Mary Steenburgen? Uh, because I'm from Arkansas. ZZ Top are in it, and they have, like, 19th century guitars that spin around in it. That's what uh, it <laughs> Okay, so I, I hate to normally do this, I, I but I just reminded myself uh i once was on a little tv show and and was just amazed to find myself in the same makeup trailer with joe montagna and and i was just you know this is the guy from like house of games and and there's a david mamet movie called homicide that i really like and i was just a a, a gog i mean i don't normally care about celebrities but i thought it was so cool to be like sitting next to uh to this guy who is kind of just like mythic to me uh, and, and having to do the small talk, you know, when they put the makeup on you, it's just dead time. The makeup ladies are doing their business and you just have to like sit there. So I'm chatting with David. I'm not chatting with him. He's just being polite, talking to me. And I don't want to say what I'm really thinking, which is, you know, holy cats, you're incredible. And I love your cadence and I love seeing you in movies. And uh, I'm just floored right now to be here. Uh, I, I was just sort of like making polite small talk with him. And at one point I said, um, he asked me where I was from, and I said it was I was from Arkansas. And he said, oh, do you know Mary? And I had no idea what he was talking about. And I just said no. And I, he was talking about Mary Steenburgen because she was from Arkansas. And I thought it was kind of cute that David Montagna thinks that, that all people from uh, Arkansas know each other. <laughs> so, so I and that everyone knows one Mary actress. 
<laughs> right, exactly, right. He didn't. He, it could have been Tyler Moore, you know. Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, okay, so there's two. All right. So anyway, sorry, I, I just made me think of that. The, the Dingus hates Mary Steenburgen and won't see Back to the Future three. And uh, Dingus, you can tell. Mary McDonald, very good, very good. Which is the one in Battlestar Galactica that plays the president with cancer? Uh, Isn't that a Mary? That's Mary, Mary McDonald. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. That's cool how we said the name and then you asked the trivia question. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, I confuse her. I confuse. There's a, isn't there a Mary McCormick who's like in Braveheart or something? Uh, or no? Yes. I, 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 I confuse those names because they're all vaguely Irish or Scottish or whatever. Uh, oh, oh, who's the brave voice actress? Uh, uh, oh, that's Kelly McDonald. Never mind. Mary McCormick was in um, <laughs> History of Violence, wasn't she? Is she the girl? No. That's Maria Bello. Oh. See what I did there? Is Mary McCormick the one in Private Parts? Yeah. Uh, in what, Dingus? Private Parts. As Miss the Wife. That might be... Or no, isn't that uh, the Weeds chick? What's her name? Isn't she a Mary? It's the girl in Weeds. But that's not her in... Conversation ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dingus, uh, what, are we done? Did Paul have one more? Uh, he had Paul back. has a third, okay. and it's Val Mall, which uh, goes along with Kelly's pick in a way. And uh, Val Mall is a dangerous liaison set in a high school, I believe. Um, Annette Benning. No, it's it's. The, <laughs> oh, stop it! How dare you? Annette Benning, Colin Firth, the lesser known adaptation of Les Liaisons Dangereuses, and as compared to Dangerous Liaisons, far more. Pistolary, Paul. Nice. Done. Bringing a pistolary into the conversation in nature, in keeping with the novel, which I did not realize. I thought it was a play, and Paul says it's a novel. How do you like well, that? But sometimes novels are also plays. Mm, that's a they're good point. They're also titles. Dedications are. All right. Okay. Uh, who said faster? Who directed Valmont? Uh, uh, Mila Shorman. Yeah, Mila Shorman. Ah, very good. Okay. It's uh, so dumb that I know that. What what awesome information is that crowding out of my brain that that's in my four skull? Tom, thoughts? <laughs> uh, I give up. I don't know, Kelly Wand. Who knows what's in the mind of Kelly Wand? That's Maybe the listeners that Dingus will now continue reading from. All right, Dingus, yeah, who's next? All right, Soren Hagel. Oh, good God. Sorry about that, Soren. Soren Hoagland. Who's uh, like a fifth beetle. He is, and uh, he has one choice. Uh, I couldn't come up with a full three by three this time, but since you also accept strays, here's one. And let me just say, uh, parenthetically, uh, please, if you want to send in one choice, go ahead. You don't have to send three. You can send in however many you want. Is that what um, Soren Hoagland wrote? No, that's me being parenthetical. Oh. So anyway, Soren's choice is, Dear Sam, my answer is yes, the letter montage in Moonrise Kingdom, because like everything about that movie, it is adorable. Oh, Soren got scooped by Dingus. Uh, but I appreciate Soren uh, supporting me. Well done, Soren. Very good. Supporting. See, but, but Soren, by the way, came up with way better picks than you and me, Kelly Wan, by just having one pick. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That's bullshit. Fuck that. Terrible. Uh, and our final one, um, surprisingly enough, is the woman who uh, inspired this topic, a woman who goes by the name of Fire on the 3. Um, and she says, hello, it's me, Fire. Look at me not picking TV movies. Um, so she picks Garden of Eden as her number three in 2008. 
Wait, what is that? Why do I know? Garden of Eden. Uh, okay, as her parting gift, Catherine, played by Mina Suvari, writes David, played by Jack Houston, a letter which he waits six months to read. I'm not sure he finishes reading it before he rips it to bits and throws it into the ocean. That's mean. Didn't read it. I've, have you seen Garden of Eden? Uh, no, I do not know it, but I love hearing from folks who see movies that we haven't seen. So thank you for yeah. that, Fire. All right, does she have two more dingus? Yes, she does, actually. Awesome. Uh, number two is, and this is, an, I haven't seen any of these movies, uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great Maggie Gyllenhaal movie, by the and way. And a great quote to Dingus. Why is that in a do, doofy southern accent, accidentally? From 2006, Harold Crick, played by Will Ferrell, delivers tax documents to Anna Pascal, who, who Tom just mentioned. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? It's a baker, right? By the way, yeah, she's an adorable baker. Uh, well, go ahead, Dingus. Sorry. An adorable baker. baker. Tom corrected uh, me quickly on that. Tom, more adorable baker, Maggie Gyllenhaal or Nicolas Cage? Mm. You mean uh, Drive Angry Nicolas Cage or Rock Nicolas Cage? Is Nicolas Cage a baker? Here's a more adorable baker, Kristen Wiig. Mm. You mean MacGruber, Kristen Wiig, or uh, Bridesmaids, Kristen Wiig? Clearly Bridesmaids, Kristen Wiig. Cupcake, man, she spent a lot of time on that cupcake. Peggy Sue got married, Kathleen Turner, or... Um, I like the Mar- fornication. <laughs> no, the Marley and me, Kathleen Turner. <sighs> All right, uh-huh. you saw that movie. <laughs> okay, so anyway, Anna Pascal charging her with withholding taxes. You could say the whole movie is a letter in audiobook format, but I chose the specific instance of The Tax Man. And her number one choice is a movie called Off the Map from 2003. Anything from you guys? Do you know that? Don't know it. I like the sound of this, though. Yeah, it's a movie about a family living in the middle of nowhere, miles outside the nearest town. Mail is one of the only connections the family has to the rest of the world. The 11-year-old girl, whose name I don't remember, writes a letter to the Moon Pie Company on some topic I can't recall. And they send her an entire case of Moon Pies. I I want want an entire case of Moon Yeah, That's what she wrote. Good job, Stoner. Uh, I want an entire case of moon pies just for sending a letter. Dear Moon Pie Company. Wait a minute, Dingus. Did Fire write Good Job, Stoner, or was that a parenthetical comment from you? That was a parenthetical <laughs> comment because I was like, okay. I know. Yeah, that was good. So Alexandra wants an entire case of moon pies. So send moon pies to Alexandra Fire at QT3 dot whatever. <laughs> but, so I love that letter, too, and that makes me think that I wished I'd picked Greenberg. Oh, Tom, that's great! I'm changing my, uh, which one am I going to strike out? <laughs> See, I, I had that as a runners-up, but I couldn't remember if any stood out, like what was the that's good awesome. All of them, yeah, no, his, just, his, his, the whole Ben Stillerness of, of his that letters. Or did that just come to you because of uh, Fire's letter? No, that just came to me. Yeah. Oh, that's What's a great the payoff for that? Like, don't, does, he, does he get written back at one point? I can't remember. Does the vet spill count as a letter? I think uh, yeah. he get one published... Right. He's angry. Complaining about a streetlight or something. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great one, Tom. Uh, those are those three are good, too. I just haven't seen any of those. Movies. What about the emails in Catfish? Do those count? <laughs> Stop. You Okay, you bagged your limit on Catfish for the next month. Stop. Uh, by the way, I want to go back. Did I... Did I call Joe Montagna David Montagna in my stupid little anecdote, uh, by the way? That's the only thing you didn't say that was stupid. Yeah, and why didn't you guys call me on that? You're both fired. You said for, Joe. You I said did? Joe. Okay. 
Never mind. Yeah. I said no. You mentioned Amber Tamblin, which I find offensive. I didn't. I didn't have a scene with her. So oh. there you go. Uh, all right. Oh, so, uh, I just add one last thing. Uh, I noticed yes. that you played a character at one point named Detective Witcher. Yes. What was that before? <laughs> it was a, a western with a, a Rob Lowe western, which is Called, a, a little-known genre. Uh, Frank and Jesse. And you were a detective. I was Detective Witcher. Yes. In a western. In a western. Yes. I, I get You're shot. Detective, right? I get. Yeah, I'm a western detective. We get shot in the head. Yeah. For what was your line? Uh, it was like tough cowboy talk. Like you're you're coming with me, Jesse James. <laughs> the response is to shoot you in the head. <laughs> yes, actually, no. His his wife shoots me in the head. A chick really head while I'm trying to arrest uh, Jesse James. Yeah. Did you did you say the awesome line which hasn't appeared in enough movies? I'll see you <laughs> in hell. Oh, uh, that's a great line. I wished I had. You know what? I improvised that, and I don't know that it. I made had it. no idea you got shot in the head. I am fucking tripping balls right now with I excitement. Got yeah, I got shot in the head, and what they do is they stand off camera. This is the way it was done in the old times. And there's a dude, literally, like one of the crew members is there with a a, a hollowed-out pen, you know, like a big pen with the, the little ink thing taken out of it. And he's shooting these uh, – he's got a styrofoam cup of fake blood with, with peas in it. And he puts a pea in his mouth, and he tries to shoot it from the little blowgun into my forehead to make a little red dot. You know, there's like a tight shot on my face, and this is there's a what? yeah, because it's supposed to like make it. They don't use. I don't think that shot was used, but they're trying to like make a little blood splat appear on your forehead. This, <laughs> that's big, terrible. Because, because you, you can't squib the forehead, I would guess. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, my peas, my pee seems like a weird. Yeah, so they're sitting there trying to shoot this. There's a guy basically blowing bloody peas in my face. <laughs> Like Did he aim for your eyes? Because he just fucking hated you. Like hated. you know, this was after I was thinking. This is this is dangerous. You could put an eye out. Yeah, like a witcher. The screen actors <laughs> killed. It's not funny. It's a serious name, Kelly Ward. That's like a high rank cop too. Like you have, you're not a beat cop. You're a detective. Like I solve murders, and then you just get shot in the head. Actually, so the the and truth of the matter is. He was, I mean, this is way more than actually made it into the movie, but his backstory was he was a, a, a Pinkerton agent. What do you think of that? Uh, oh, right. Oh, good. I See? like that. They're supposed to be badass, too. But they don't. They, they don't, don't. Yeah, they get shot in the head by girls. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Wait, so uh, did the hurt your head? Uh, I recall them being somewhat vexing. I wouldn't say they hurt. Because I noticed your speech deteriorated. So I got hit in the head with a... a a skillet once in a play, and it left a scar on my head. So that was way worse than the peas. Was it your punishment for dropping your pipe? <laughs> was that when you were in the stage play of Tangled? Was that another woman hitting you with a frying pan? Was it the chick who saw Spanglish and did like? Uh... I, I can only I can only field one question at a time. Guys, was guys. there salt in the skillet? The, the woman you broke up. All on you one at a time. <laughs> I'm gonna do nine callbacks in one sentence. Uh, all right, so uh, any other runners-up? My only runner-up was Birth. I, I love that. That's yeah. really, really great. Right. Uh, so, Kelly Wand, it is up to you to then tell us what the 3x3 three three will be next week. What do you How got? exciting. Okay, you know, I like the creative ones that aren't really 3x3s three at all, but something even more magical. Nothing. So this one is three movies... Tom's gonna hate me so much. Three movies. You add a you add a final shot to the ending. <laughs> you describe it, and that's it. And then what happens? That's all. We just do three of those. We go all right. 
<laughs> Star Wars new ending. But it has to be like after the actual ending. You can't just one shot or a scene. We had a shot to the scene. end of a movie. A scene is one shot. Yes, obviously. obviously. No, that's not what uh, a scene is. Okay, it has to be one story beat. But how- <laughs> is it going to be a bronze beat or a gold beat? Can't be as long as a treatment. Dingus, you know what? Asking Kelly Wan questions is like trying to punch a tar baby. Just don't, <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> Just take what you can get. Punching a tar baby, at least learn something. You're gonna have to apologize that for that in the next news cycle, Tom. You realize that, right? For Wait, me. why? Because tar baby. You brought up tar baby. And they're gonna take that wrong. The media's gonna run it. <laughs> No, it's a. It's and then a, Tom will post it. No one will notice it. And then Tom will go, "Hey, everyone! Really sorry, I said this thing on this obscure thing you never would have even found in a million years." <laughs> and everyone will go, "Damn, it, Tom!" All right, All so, right, so one, Kelly, go ahead. We're adding a shot at the end of three different movies, right? Hey, I'm glad you're asking questions because it shows you care. <laughs> what was the question? I wasn't listening because I didn't care. But I so still, just so just sort of encapsulate very briefly. What is it you want us to do? Give it a title. What is the title of this three by three? Uh, three by three. Add a final shot to the end of a movie. Woo! It's called ending shot ad. <laughs> All right. Okay. So join us for that next week. We will add a shot to the end of a movie. You uh, can do, and even if they're not good, we'll read them. Kelly, one. Why don't you tell them how they do that? Uh. You write us an address that's got right, so, an yeah. Send an email to 3x3, that's 3x3, three three, at quarter2three.com. Uh, and while you're doing that, be sure to like us on... No, wait. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, if you want to buy any movies, we love it when you do that at Amazon.com through the little search box on quarter to three. Uh, support us there. Uh, and otherwise, next week, we suggest you see Skyfall. Yay! Yeah, yay, the new James Bond movie. Yay, uh, let's, yay. Dingus is less excited than some of us. Kelly Wan is I want to write the opposite. So join, yeah, join us for that. There will be a James Bond, the very first James Bond Opsis, I believe, on a quarter to three movie podcast will be next week. Uh, no one cares but me, but it's fine. Kelly Wand, I care. What um, about Lincoln? Like, are you going to see Lincoln anyway? I'm going to add a shot to the end of Tom's quote just then. <laughs> Uh, I am not going to see Lincoln, Kelly Wan, unless you pay me. So I have a thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Are you uh, seceding? No, no, I, I will not secede because I was never a part of the Lincoln Union, you see. Uh, when you go through the lobby on the way to see your movie, at each movie poster, give me – this is something I'll do. If you go to a movie with me, you can you can experience this. I have a cash value for what you will have to pay me to see a movie <laughs> for any given movie. So the Lincoln movie – $50. I will go for $50. So, Kelly Wand, are you going to pony up $50, in which case I'll go see Lincoln? I'll go for $3. Ah, oh, you've undercut me. Well played. All right, have fun at Lincoln. <laughs> you have to see Lincoln now, because, Kelly Wand, I'll pay you $3. <laughs> this is true. I will PayPal you $3 if by this time next week you have seen Lincoln. I thought you liked Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm, not, not like that. that. Yeah, not that much. Please, Even I have my limits, Kelly Wand. But it's the first Steven Spielberg movie since Tin Tin, so you should be, <laughs> blood should be boiling with lust. Because the wait. moon is full. Uh, uh, the reason I would see Lincoln would be for an actor named Adam uh, Rats. What's his last name, Dingus? Brody. Does he no. play Jefferson Davis? Adam Brody? Uh, Dingus, what's the guy's name from Girls who plays Lena Dunham's boyfriend? 
He's in that? Yeah, yeah. Who is he? Well, if you watch the trailer, he's even got a little dialogue. Where, where I watched it still. I didn't want to know how Lincoln turned out. I want to be completely surprised because I always, even in history class, I'd shut my ears because someday I knew they'd make a movie and I wouldn't want. It's a it's a verb. Adam sweets sweets or something. That's not a verb. But I like that Tom thinks that's a verb. <laughs> well, like you sweetened. That's Tom. surprised. Oh, I see. Sweets. <laughs> That's the same thing. Driver. Dingus might be right. Driver. But at any rate, his name is Adam in Girls and in real life. Uh, and he is in uh, this Lincoln movie. So I don't know that I would want to sit through all four hours of the movie for whatever scene he's in. But uh, I, I Wait, would... who, is he? who is he in the movie? Uh, so there's a scene where Daniel Day-Lewis is saying something like, Destiny is making me great. It's some line like that. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to argue to do this movie the week after James Bond and lose that argument. Destiny's making me great. Destiny's making me great. It's some famous Lincoln quote like <laughs> Destiny's making me great. And, and Adam Driver, whatever his name is, says, you know, he's sitting like in a chair with his back to Lincoln and he's turned around in his chair to talk to Lincoln like Lincoln interrupted him to have a conversation with him. Tell him Destiny's making me great. And Adam Driver basically has some quote along the lines of, well, maybe for you. <laughs> and, and that's that's in the trailer. Why is that? <laughs> Not I don't know. I, yeah, I just like that actor. So uh, maybe I do too. Yeah. I think he's. That's what the whole war was about. Was the but I can't. Game. I can't sit through a movie about how great Lincoln is, because I know that already. Come on. Don't. <laughs> was after the vampire thing. Although I thought he didn't look great in that movie. Like it kind of diminished. Like he wasn't very good at killing vampires. Maybe this will like cleanse our palates and like make us respect Lincoln more. Because he did the cherry tree thing too. And, um, I see what you did there, Kelly Wand. The cherry tree thing. <laughs> he freed the slaves by fighting uh, the trains. Uh, all right, so join us next week, not for Lincoln, but for Skyfall and our three by three of scenes or no shots added to the ends of movies. <laughs> I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's, it's Christian Morosky and Kelly Wand. It can be three shots. But one ending. Money shots. You should have called these money, money shots. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you have a can anecdote? Mm, I was having lunch with guys from work, and the cinematics guy he reads a lot of fantasy. He read The Silmarillion, and he somehow started talking about how much he hated John Steinbeck, like the most vehemently I've ever heard anyone deride an author. He hates the poor. And I went, I thought he loved the park, the Scrapes of Wrath. And he's all, no, look what happens to them. And then I go, well, I think he just hates the retarded in that one. John Kelly, Stein- one your can anecdotes, I, I feel like they could take place anywhere. You know what? It's been around for two fucking weeks, and I can't take it. <laughs> it's making me crazy. And it's supposed to stop. Uh, I have... I have a Tahunga note. Uh, at my supermarket, there's a Trader Joe's, a supermarket called Trader Joe's. I went to Trader Joe's tonight, and something happened to me that has never happened to me in all my years of shopping. The checkout dude, the checkout dude shook my hand. Whoa! <laughs> what? He was like, "All right, dude, have a good night," and he thrust his hand out to shake my hand, and I've never You're done that with a a man. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. I've seen you chatting up your Trader Joe's. Was there gum on your 
What? But nobody's ever nobody's ever tried to shake my hand like after selling me groceries. I've never had that happen before. I've never had a, a waiter, for instance, try to shake my hand. I don't mind, and I thought it was kind of charming, and I was more than happy to shake his hand. But uh, that's kind of new to me in the whole like social exchange is where you have the, the checkout dude shake your hand. What about hugs? Yeah. Did you tip him? <laughs> oh shoot! Are you supposed to? Oh man, I screwed yeah. up. Because my trainer, I've got a girl at, at my trainer Joe's who uh, hugs me every single time. What? Wait, she, hugs you? Uh, she wants to hug me every single time. I don't know what, what it is. It's stuff that Dingus will say after, like, say he won't talk about anything. Me and Tom Badger. So I, 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 I've seen Tom talk to these people, and he's and Tom. Is he gets dudes. Person. You get the I one. I believe that everybody wants to shake Tom's hand. That's true. Dingus, have you first. ever had a checkout? Have you ever had a checkout dude shake your hand? He's got uh, chicks hugging him. Maybe not. Well, well yeah, but that's that's that. different. Yeah, yeah. I get the other way around. Yes, want. Fuck, this kingdom. Fuck, I just saw it too. So annoyed. I'm not gonna do three by threes anymore. Well, thanks for trying to listen. <laughs>